Hi, it's Chris here. We had some audio problems with this episode of the podcast, so if you hear any um, strange edits or parts of the podcast that don't seem to line up properly, uh, it's because we had to cut it to make uh, as much sense as we possibly could. So thank you for bearing with us, and uh, on with the podcast. Welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine, uh, and today I'm joined by Anna Blackwell. Hi, Anna. Hi. Um, would, you, would you like to start by introducing yourself to people? I'm Anna Blackwell. I run the micro, uh, monthly micro game feature in Tabletop Gaming Magazine. I'm also the developer of Delve, Rise and Umbra, three new map making games that should be coming to store soon. We're sort of going to talk about free games and uh, probably we're going to talk a bit about micro games today. Um, so I suppose we should start off with uh, what, what are the micro games that you can find in our lovely magazine? Usually they tend to be role playing games uh, simply because it's easiest to fit that onto one page. Uh, these are quick little role playing systems, uh, usually around funny ideas designed for like one shots or very short campaigns. Yeah, a recent, recent example we had is the uh, Orcagon Trail. Yeah, based on the Oregon Trail. That one was hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. That's so they usually consist of um, like a few tables to roll um, yep. and some kind, and then sort of some parameters um, for for sort of the game to carry to be carried out on. So they're really, I guess, they're for people who um, have uh, played an RPG before and fancy something very silly to do yeah. uh, on their RPG evening. Another favorite of mine was that um, uh, that was that was one where um, uh, I think everyone had to play one aspect of the body. It was all like parasites that were taking over a human and trying to escape somewhere. Yeah. Um, So yeah, and but they they couldn't communicate. No. Right. Yeah. So they they only had to announce what they were going to do. They couldn't like decide between them. Yes. uh, Whether that foot was going forwards, backwards, or (laughs) whatever, Um, which is sort of uh, kind of the uh, probably the ideal way to do an RPG, isn't it? Have have the um, the party not really uh, uh, pulling in the same direction, have a, a huge amount of chaos. I mean, I love the idea of taking that and putting it into a session of, like, a full campaign. <laughs> a spell goes awry, everyone gets pushed into the one body. Yes, yes, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. So, yeah, actually, that's interesting. You, you could actually borrow bits from this for your own um, yes. campaigns quite, e- quite easily. Um, uh, and occasionally you have... Uh, you bring us things like um, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, the squirrel game. Yes, uh, sometimes I make my own little games and push them in. And so, can you can you remind us um, of the the one I'm going to call the squirrel game? Uh, the squirrel game uh, was a based on kind of like Yeti in the house. Uh, mm. This idea of like a competitive Easter egg hunt uh, for people to play during like kind of parlor game nights. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be familiar with games that much. You can just print it all out uh stick it onto some like cereal box card and then you've got a game straight out of the box but more gen- more generally what do you think like the role of free games is in our in, in the sort of hobby culture i think for developers it's a great way to experiment uh with stranger ideas hmm. things that you know don't really have a place commercially but are at least interesting enough that you want to put that out into the world hmm. like for the feature uh uh, last year I made a game called Islanders which was a town building game that you made you played on a beach uh, by stacking rocks again it's, it's sort of parlor gamey isn't it in the sense yeah. of like um, you can use it in the world, uh, world, world around you quite uh, quite simply 
Um, you do well. You do need a beach, and obviously, none of us want to go to, to a beach at the moment. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but but Kimberly, yeah. So and because um, you see a lot of um, companies give away uh, the print and plays of their games. Yeah. Um, do, what, what do you think the benefit of that is for them? Uh, I think it obviously it keeps costs down for the publisher, so you can just you know you've got this idea for a thing, but you don't want to invest thousands of pounds in it. Uh, so you put it out as PDF, people can play it on the computer, and print and play means they can still have that physical artifact. Hmm. So shall we Shall we talk about Delve? Please. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, well, what is Delve? Uh, Delve is a solo map drawing game uh, where you play in a grid. What were your, were your influences? Basically, uh, I've always wanted to play Dwarf Fortress, but I don't have the time or patience to learn how, uh, because it is... <laughs> the most confusing and arcane game I've ever seen. So yeah. I've always liked hearing the stories of people's holds, hearing about like mm. boat murder uh, and all these amazing stories of like how they've won by like the skin of their teeth or like how their holds fell. And I want to try and bring that to the tabletop. Yeah, so, um, so how do we play it? Uh, so you play it with a deck of playing cards uh, and design and a piece of grid paper or just regular paper. And essentially, you're going to start with your entrance to your your holds and work your way down, uh, revealing cards to find what you've discovered, uh, whether that be like ancient ruins or catacombs or dragons with their various different powers, which are the worst things you can find in the game. And I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, so you, yeah, you sort of turn a card and your deck of cards is your, um, that's like your random number generator, yes. isn't it? Yes, uh, so it'll give you like, prompts. And so could you give us a couple of examples of the kind of things you you could uh, you might draw and end up drawing? Uh, one of my favourites is uh, the quite simple large creature layer. So it tells you that this is a, a layer for a creature and it's going to take up four grids. And then it leaves it up to you. There's a nice little kind of prompt table at the back which gives you some ideas. So you can just like refer to that if you want some help. But mm. the sort of things we've ended up with is like... The simple ones like hydras, uh, krakens, and then the weirder ones like living shadows, uh, bat made out of bats, <laughs> which are really fun to draw. Yeah, and I think um, some people might be slightly worried about having to draw. I get that, but I mean, I'm not a great artist. It's really fun just because it's just for yourself at the end of the day. Like, it's really fun just to have just these simple easy drawings because it's all in your style all ends up making something and then you can look back through it and kind of relive the chronicle yeah that's true yeah and um does it hold um do you i can't remember if you hold if anything changes when you like can you can you go back and like flood a cavern yes and things like that yeah so yeah, so how, how does that work? You just you, t- you turn a card and then you discover? Yep, uh, so it has a uh, very simple liquid and gas physics. Uh, mm. And I say very, very simple. Uh, it travels two squares and then it goes down if it's liquid, it goes up if it's gas, if it can. Uh, because I want to keep it so much simpler than Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> so if you find liquid, it will flood through, kill any units uh, in rooms, so it's like if you've got a barracks and you've got some soldiers stationed there, they'll be washed away, smacked off the walls and killed. Uh, but you don't have to draw the water in. You just have to make note that those rooms got flooded mm. unless you want to leave it there. It can be very fun to like draw in all that like fluid, uh, 
all the puddles mm. that have been left by it and really make a nice big mess of a hold by the end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess um, I, I have played a bit of Dwarf Fortress and my experience of it is that you you start off at a very, you know, not very deep um, yeah. when you're playing it and, and you uh, you will do something where... Um, you're like, okay, this is kind of a, this is, a, I've got a good setup here. But as you get deeper and deeper, deeper, you kind of start abandoning the higher areas of your, yes. of, uh, uh, but still. Um, so I, I think there's quite a nice thing there of this sort of like, um, as you retreat into the depths of the, uh, uh, of, of your, your hold, um, you, you end up sort of leaving these like uh, ruined places behind you. Yeah, tell me about the uh, community response to it. The community has been great for it so far. Uh, I went on to like the Zen Quest Kickstarter, asking for seven hundred pounds. Got nearly nine grand. Uh, over a thousand backers. Uh, several hundred of those uh, have came over onto the Discord uh, to help playtest. People have, even with like the rough beta rules, have been sharing their stories, and it's really interesting to see the kind of like things they're coming up against. And what kind of things have you bumped into in playtesting? Playtesting is always a nightmare. <laughs> Uh, came up against things like initial cards. Uh, the Jokers are like legendary facts or ancient monstrosities, which are the similar to Dwarf Fortresses, Forgotten Beasts. Huge, mm. monstrous things like the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. And during playtesting, you didn't take those out, so a couple of my holds fell because we opened the ground immediately yes. and just found a big eye. <laughs> some huge ancient monstrosity just waiting five feet under the ground. I mean, I like that. I like that as a story. You know, yeah, I've left that as an optional rule. Yeah. <laughs> if you just want, if you want there to just be a layer of dirt over a monster. <laughs> yeah, it's just lying down. Yeah, exactly. You and you didn't realise you were on a monster until then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So, um, so yeah, how's how's the development been going then? Obviously, the quarantine has been hellish for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it has slowed me down a little bit, but I'm pushing through. Uh, Delve is currently on its layout phase. Just have to get the art put in place, uh, get it laid out, then I'll be ready to start getting sample versions and should hopefully be getting everything to print next month. Yeah, and is it coming to stores as well? Hopefully. Uh, I know there have been a couple of retailers from the Kickstarter, mm -hmm. uh, so I know at least the Lucky Sparrow in Glasgow will mm -hmm. be stocking it. Uh, I'll be putting it up onto itch.io and RPG though. Yeah, so people will be able to get it, um, even though yes. even if they didn't back the Kickstarter. Yeah, um, and I'll be doing physical copies through that as well. Yeah, yeah which is uh, which is pretty exciting. So, what what will people get in the sort of physical version of it? Uh, so, the physical version will be the design, uh, which I will not try and wager a guess at how many pages it is because our most recent round of edits did put it up. Uh, it's between forty and fifty pages. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's like a um, small small supplement or OSR game sized yeah. Um, uh, game yeah. yeah people beginning that uh if they buy the physical copy they'll get a pdf sent out as well uh if they back the kickstarter they'll be getting delve rise and umbra which are the two kind of sister games mm. uh rise being very inspired by dungeon keeper puts you in charge of uh, a kind of monstrous dungeon starting from the bottom of the page and trying to work your way up to the surface to conquer the world and umbra puts you onto an alien asteroid an alien planet uh, and has things like explosive decompression. Oh, good. Okay. Can you tell us a bit more about Rise? Because um, that, that sounds really interesting to me. Uh, so Rise is essentially the flip side of Delve. Mm. Uh, it puts you into the uh, the armoured boots of the monsters. 
it gives you a dungeon heart at the bottom of the page and it changes up the mechanics from being just about digging and exploring as delve is to begin with mm -hmm. and puts it more onto you have to keep your minions placated because they will mutiny the mm -hmm. first chance they get yeah so how, how do the minions work then so they have to have uh different layers uh which will come in different tiers with like hovels being the cheapest but also not providing much room uh all the way up to like essentially mansions in the caves uh which have the then knock-on effect of any layers next to those that are lower level start looking worse in comparison. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to build things like laundry mats. Uh, you have to build them recreational facilities like casinos and taverns. Uh, but then they all come with their own penalties. Like taverns will make them uh, happier, but makes their uh, more likely to mutiny yeah. faster if it comes to it basically they're drunk they're going to fight back yeah so um, i mean that sounds like almost um suburban a little bit yeah. <laughs> is this your sort of um uh, david lynch version yeah you're sort of going behind the picket fence and all that sort of stuff sort of yeah, yeah, yeah very good I, I really liked in uh dungeon keeper where it's like the whole you know it is payday yes yes and they'd all, they, would, they, would they all go to the dungeon heart or just to the like treasure room uh, to the treasury mm. and like go get their money and they'd get really angry if they didn't yeah. have it Oh, that was a fabulous game. That was, um, for those who don't know, um, how do you describe Dungeon Keeper to people? Uh, it was a Dungeon Tycoon game. It's like uh, theme park world, uh, theme hospital, Yeah. except you're in charge of a dungeon. And you're sort of trying to ambiently win conflicts. But the way you entered into conflicts was you sort of put your minions near things that would aggro yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing about happiness mm -hmm. in Rise... Uh, there's a sacrificing mechanic. Oh, yeah. So you can sacrifice minions to activate spells, mm -hmm. but that obviously makes people sad. Yeah, yes. Especially the one being sacrificed. Uh, yeah. But their opinions don't matter for long. No, no, it's true. It's true. They, they, you don't get any letters after that from them. Um, <laughs> no, that's really cool. Um, so shall we shall we talk about what you've been playing recently? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what have you been playing recently? I mean, for the recent issue, I've been reading about, uh, playing through and reading Battle Lords. Yes, yeah, which is a huge book. What, 545 pages. I've been using it as a yeah. free weight. Um, and I, I mean, I posted that to you, and I think that was the heaviest thing I've posted. Um, <laughs> like, full stop. I, I, it, is, it was just, it was three kilos or something of book. Um, it's, it, <sighs> was, it was bizarre uh, how, how much stuff there is in there. So, I mean, I mean what is yeah. it? Uh, so it's a... Uh, near future sci-fi game that puts you into the sh like shoes of a sort of well battle lord as they call it uh the mm -hmm. space marine uh as you go around doing kind of mercenary work essentially and it's incredibly simulationist oh god tell me so i've um I, I i for the for the same issue uh i've been looking into a game called um chivalry and sorcery um which simulationist um medieval rpg so it's got a whole um yeah. like influence system where if you're a duke and there's a peasant nearby you know that peasant will you know has to react to you in a certain way um otherwise you know obviously you're gonna have them beheaded and things like that um see that's kind of cool yeah it, it took me a while to get my head around it. i, I talked to it because it's a, there's a fifth fifth of a fifth edition of it now and um I, I talked to the guys about it and they, they explained one of the um 
uh, one of the ways they got the parties to work. So obviously you think if there's a lot, of, if there's a range of statuses and that's kind of the fun part, how would you bring a party together? Um, yeah. And their example was that they had a knight uh, and then they had a liveried um, or footman, a uh, food taster, and then there was a priest in the party and also an enchanter who was kind of his the knight's entertainer. But they had it so that the... No, sorry, it's the enchanter and the priest could only speak... Uh, could speak English, and the serf could speak English and French. The knight could only speak English and Latin. The priest could also speak Latin. Uh, and then I can't remember what the other one could speak, but what ended up being is that they had it was sort of like a comedy of errors um, as they sort of had to translate for each other um, as they went on um, some some journey to kill a dragon, actually. But, um, uh, uh, but it just sounds like um, a really sort of funny way to do the whole thing. Um, yeah. You know, and it's got it's endless endless pages of how to you know how to be um, uh, Jewish in the Middle Ages and things like that, um, <laughs> which is like uh, they they did loads of research and it's like really good, um, but uh, it's like that's an interesting like role playing choice I think to do that much simulationist religion. Um, yeah, yeah, and because also there are miracles, miracles are in the game, so um, it's it's funny to have sort of the reality of representing the reality of a, a world where um god isn't that active necessarily uh and but while also uh being a big part of people's lives that's interesting so i've got a game called uh end of kings which is kind of renaissance version of what you've just described okay, yeah yeah it's, it's interesting uh i'm much more in the narrative camp mm. than simulationist so i've been looking at that and trying to work out how to make it fun yes and that actually does sound like a good way to run it because that does like the whole like nobles and serfs and stuff and i'm like oh, no one's going to want to roll for that yeah <laughs> which is what it means to do. yeah it's um the, yeah the way these guys described it is that you, you can have that thing of um creating conflicts of kind of like um i guess like a, a, a inuchi um comedy or something of like um the boss has told us to do this so i'm going to tell you to do this and you sort of have this cascading set of problems that comes goes down the chain um mm. and that's maybe maybe how you uh play out those things but yeah that's super interesting but sorry yeah. but battle lords i, it look, yes. I mean it looked like there was a bit mechs in it uh they looked like you had to do a lot of maths yes uh so much maths <laughs> uh i mean character creation is 22 steps <laughs> and that's everything from body size to how racist you are Excellent. Sorry, I just for those at home, I was just drinking a bit of coffee there, so I've nearly, nearly choked and died. Um, so, um, sorry, uh, how do you roll for how racist you are? It's not so much a roll as there's a table with uh, how all the different species get on. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of different species. There's like 15 in it, mm. uh, from humans to elves that are obsessed with Scottish Highlander fashion, uh-huh. uh, to shape-shifting blobs, to misandristic tigers. Right, okay, fine. And it makes a big point about how they're misandristic. Okay. It was interesting to read. But I mean, it does look like the kind of game, like, if you go into a firefight in it, there is no doubt uh, if you fire the shot, it's all worked out. There's no story. It's You know exactly where you hit on that target and what it did. Yeah, it's interesting, these, these simulationist games, they almost feel like war games, don't they? Yeah, I think that's who it's very much appealing mm. to. I quite like that. So what, what else have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Ironsworn. Oh, yes. Uh, I did a review of recently as well. Yeah, so that's a solo RPG. 
Yeah. yeah. Do, do you uh, explain that to our, our, um, our dear readers and listeners? So a solo RPG is essentially an RPG where the book itself handles the kind of game master's input. So it uses what it calls an oracle. So you'll roll uh, to see if you succeed. And if you do, uh, the oracle will have certain events uh, all the way up to like things like plot twists. Mm. But let me just quickly grab through, see what I can find. So for example, uh, if you're making a move, because it's very inspired by, powered by the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you like try to make a move and say you're in a fight and you fail, yeah. you could endure harm. Uh, so when you endure harm, it gives you a kind of oracle table to roll on to see what happens to you. Okay, what sort of things could happen to us? So this is, uh, if your health goes to zero, uh, you could be uh, facing death. Uh, you could need to heal. You could be unconscious now for the action. Uh, you could manage to stay on your feet, uh, but need to take a breather. Sorry, what happens when you, in a solo game, what happens when you go unconscious? Well, then you kind of take on the role of the games master. I guess it's very you much leave your it's body. like writing a story. Yeah, it's like writing a story, but uh, it's throwing wrenches in the gears, mm. so it doesn't go exactly where you want it to. Cool. And it's all it's sort of middle agey sort of um middle ages e sorry not middle agey um fantasy like lowish fantasy almost the start of the iron age uh the whole point of it is like the you've moved to this place called the ironlands uh things like swords and like full plate armor are very rare mm. uh it's the way it kind of describes the world's almost vikingy and the art certainly backs that up uh, so everyone's like wooden spears, uh, clubs, uh, getting into like kind of some iron weapons, but they tend to be old or rusted. Mm. It's quite survivally in a lot of ways. That's interesting. Uh, what did you find when you when you played it? I thought it was great. Uh, I went through. Uh, I eventually went to like the way the story worked. Like it completely took it out of my hands. Mm. I was helping an elf trying to return back to his homelands. Along the way, we had to help uh, a bandit who was spying on the local town because his sister had been captured. Right. And most of this was the game prompting me to come up with things. So that made a new quest. So we went to go and investigate their uh, bandit hideout and found they were in work with some cultists, uh, thanks to it generating uh, enemies. Mm. And eventually I got captured and got sacrificed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things that people might be listening to this and thinking, how 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 did she end up getting sacrificed? She was in charge of the game. I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like any solo game, you have to be willing to let bad things happen uh, for an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, sneaking in, I failed my stealth roll, uh, so a, a guard got alerted. During the fight with the guards, uh, I didn't manage to take them down quickly enough, and I kind of figured they would have called for help. Mm. So ended up with a couple of guards fighting me, a lot of bad rolls, and from that into your harm table, as I said, I get knocked unconscious. Okay, um, so I figured, yeah, I'm getting sacrificed. <laughs> Excellent, um, that's that's great. Uh, cool. So what what else are we playing? Well, I've been playing a lot of the artifact. Oh yes, as well. yeah. This is um, telling the story, the story of an artifact, isn't it? Yes. 
from creation through to either destruction or when you want to leave it and include it into your own RPGs. Yeah, so this is, um, I think you covered this in um, your, uh, you did a supplements article for us um, I did, yeah. uh, a fair few months ago now, um, which was all about... Um, Games you can use to enhance your RPGs. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of yeah. them were kind of solo-y sort of things. So uh, could you sort of just expand on what the artifact is? So the artifact is a a solo journaling RPG. So essentially it will give you like writing prompts and you will journal uh, the answers to them, uh, creating this story as you go on. And yes, and, and then and you can take that, whatever you make, you might take that into your, well, whatever game you like, really. Yeah. And you've, you've kind of got a rich history. I think it's interesting because there's a lot of like... Um, if you think about like video games like Dark Souls and things like that, um, a lot of their storytelling is done through, um, you know, the, the objects in the world. Yeah, environmental storytelling. Exactly, that's it, yeah. I yeah. think that's something that um, analog games haven't really picked up on that well yet. Um, I mean, I think that comes down to, like, the individual uh, games master. That's true, that's true. The artifact does help with it. Yeah, I think that, I'd say the usual um, role-playing game, Games Master, would... Uh, want people to focus on kind of like a cinematic version of play quite often. Yeah. I think that's quite quite yeah. common, isn't it? Um, I feel like I should maybe uh, disclose that I do write for the artifact now. Oh, do you write from now? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, full disclosure. Full disclosure, I wrote uh, one of the playbooks for it now. Sweet. What, what's on that? Tell me about that. Uh, so I wrote about the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially, uh, this is the playbook for playing as a magical staff, and it's talking about things like... Uh, some of the prompts will be like, you you cast a spell uh, and the effects of that can still be felt in the world. What was that spell and what were the effects? Mm-hmm. As a kind of idea of like prompts it gives you. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because um, it's, it's all about how, yeah, that object changed um, the world it's going to go into because you don't know what world it's going to go into yet when you're playing. Yeah, so it's how the artifact changes over time. Do you want to take us on to uh, your next game? Uh, I've also been playing Beak, Feather and Bone. Oh yes, that, that looked really good. Uh, there's another Zen Quest mm-hmm. game uh, where you get this printed out map of this raven people town or crow people town uh, and you work through as one of the factions claiming buildings and like talking about its purpose, uh, drawing cards to see which uh, purpose you're talking about. And how, do, so, and so how, does, that, how does that work? What, what, what is the purpose? Uh, essentially to create a story for a place. Uh, similar to the artifact, mm-hmm. this is about a place. Uh, and yeah, it was interesting. Because uh, like, you take on, like say, the miners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would choose one of the buildings uh, on the map, which don't have names, it's just like a, a label-less map. Mm-hmm. And you'd colour in your faction colour. And then you'd discuss with the other players and you'd write down uh, what it is, uh, what its purpose is, like what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's beak, feather, and bone. Uh, its purpose, what it looks like, and what it looks like inside. Of yeah. Uh, and you'd have things like describe its uh, its past or its future and stuff like that. Yeah. And and uh, I think in your review you said that maybe it was a bit um, limiting to play in a group. Yeah, uh, a bit a bit slow at times. Yeah, because yeah. uh, you, you covered this in your your map making article a little while ago of of um, like uh, how to build these worlds, but um, you, you sort of pass, you sort of passing around the map. 
Uh, yeah. What was what was the game that you uh, you highlighted for that? Dawn of Worlds. I think that's it, isn't it? Because you, you gave yeah. an example of um, your uh, uh, was it ever the fish that don't die or something like that. Oh yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, so Dawn of Worlds, where you take on the role of gods, uh, starting with like the creation of the world and then moving on to populating it with races and animals, and then moving on to the kind of political uh, sphere after that to like wage war on each other. So like risk, but you also have to make the map. Yes. That's <laughs> how we played it. Uh, and yeah, one of our players made the very first race, semi-aquatic Nords who breed like rabbits, live to a hundred odd years. Uh, and yeah, for some reason he, he didn't see it coming that they would become a food source. <laughs> After saying they breed like rabbits. Yeah, yeah. Uh... And then ironically, the world was destroyed by rabbits uh, who were made of ice and froze the world around them. Wow. I mean, it's not the one you see it's not the one you see coming, I think. No, <laughs> definitely not. A dark horse. Yes, a dark, yes, a dark, a dark horse indeed. Uh, have you got any have you played anything, anything else recently? Uh, there's one I'm gearing up to play. Oh, go on then. Uh, it's called uh, The Wretched. Oh, what's that? So, you remember an alien uh, after Ridley like jets the xenomorph out of the airlock mm. and then she's on her own? Yeah. Essentially, the wretched puts you into that position in a solo RPG. Okay, cool. Uh, again, you're using a deck of cards, yeah. uh, which I really like now, mm. uh, to see what's happening to the ship. So this could be like generator malfunctions. Uh, it could be like the creature gets back on. Uh, and along the way, you're going to be journaling your story as an audio log. Oh, you're going to record it? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, you're going to yeah. put that out for people to hear? Uh, probably not. Oh, okay. oh, why not? Oh, that, that sounds really good. <laughs> I might do. I might do. Uh, I'm trying to get my own review site back up and running, so I'll probably review it and stick the audio log on that. Yeah, I think uh, it's, a re- it's a real nice um, feature of like most of these games is that they give you something at the end. It's... Yeah, something you can like look back on and yeah. like an artifact you have. Yeah, and at some point you're probably going to turn around to these art these artifacts you've created, look at them and say, "That's a really good idea. Who made that?" Uh, you're going to be at such a distance from it that you're going to yeah. you're going to forget that it was you that had the idea about the freezing rabbits or uh, whatever it might be. And the wretched is pretty cool as well because uh, they did a game jam on it recently, mm. uh, where people took the kind of the system and have like applied it to all different types of settings now. Yeah. Um, and what sort of settings? Uh, so I've seen like post-apocalyptic journey, mm. like the roads. Yeah. Uh, I've. I'm pretty sure I saw one that was kind of like a uh, defence and like a sieged castle. Well, that sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah, that one would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm assuming, because I haven't looked at these other ones, I've only really looked at the, the mm. main one. That sounds pretty cool, like the idea of like, you know, you draw like the jack of clubs uh, and suddenly there's dead people being catapulted over the walls <laughs> like they did back then. Oh. <laughs> did they do that? Yeah, that oh, was sorry. a siege tech. Uh, launch corpses over the walls to try and spread disease. I see, yes. Not just to spook people. That as well. <laughs> it lowers morale, definitely. Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, especially if you knew them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just your grandma. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm awaiting your next authored um, micro-game. Uh, Siege Grandma, or whatever. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Lovely, that's great. Uh, well, thank you for coming on today, Anna. Um, Thanks. Thanks for having you, me. Uh, would you like to plug anything? Uh, I mean, I think I plugged Delph pretty <laughs> yeah, well. You did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where can, I mean, where can I, people find you online, for example? 
Yeah, uh, well, my own uh, review website, which champions indie games for physical and digital games, uh, called IndieUncovered.com, will be back up soon once we've done the redesign. Nice. Very good. Uh, and Twitter, anything like that? Oh, at uh, Blackwell Writer. Smash that like button. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Anna, Anna is one of the uh, the great boosters of, um, of small games and interesting things you didn't know you liked. So uh, well yeah. worth a follow. Um, Yes, and well worth reading our very fine magazine as well. Excellent. All right, well, thank you very much, Anna. Thanks for having me.